Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. You know, we're talking about enjoying, participating in, discovering, finding the divine life. Now, you, I'm not talking about some kind of new agey type thing. I'm talking about the life of God that Jesus himself uh, obtained at the resurrection and gives to us. Matter of fact, we are in him. If you're a believer, we are in Jesus and we share in the divine life. We share in the Zoe of God, the quality of life possessed by God. And we, you know, we launched this series last week. And if you haven't listened to last week, I really encourage you to go back and listen to it. I'm, listen, I'm going to take you on a journey. I want you to be able to, to, to really experience an incredibly a wonderful quality of life. That's what it's all, that is what it's all about. You know, when you've got a great life and life is working and you know it's working because of God, I'm telling you what, you fall in love with God. You know, I was thinking the other day about, about this and you know, the word, the Greek word for love, agape, relates very much to the word value. And so the degree of love that we have for God is directly linked to the value that we have for Him. Well, I want to tell you something. What religion presents about God doesn't fit into daily life. It doesn't make your life better. In fact, it makes your life harder, makes you have more fear. It, it, it makes it more difficult. So you don't value that. You know, something that's motivated by fear, fear and love and love are opposing uh, 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 qualities and, uh, and love, perfect love drives out fear. But, but I want you to understand something. If, if God is not, if you're not allowing God to make your life better, you will never really fall very deeply in love with him because you won't have much value for him. So I'm going to tell you something. As you implement these things that you are going to learn through this series, and if you go farther into, into actually uh, uh, implementing the program itself, I'm telling you, you're going to have so much value for God that you're, you're going to be deeply, deeply, passionately in love with him. Now, last week we, we talked about this, that, you know, Jesus came to offer us this quality of life. He said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And that word for life comes from the Greek word zoe. And the Greek word zoe, I mean, it, it's really a, a pretty comprehensive word. But uh, the bottom line is zoe is the quality of life possessed by the one who gives it. Jesus obtained the resurrection life, the life of God that conquers all things, the life of God that, that, that uh, uh, brings peace in any situation, the life of God that can sustain you through anything. And that's what he offers us. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a, there's a lot of terminologies that, that, ex, that describe a realm that we can enter into. And one of the things the Bible will do is it will use different words and different typologies, different metaphors, and, or, or maybe Jesus will teach a parable with a concept so that we have a way to look at something from, from a lot of different angles so that we see different dimensions. And so there's this realm, 
And uh, now this isn't just getting born again. And that's one of the great mistakes we have made about most of Jesus' teaching. Most of Jesus' teaching was about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, how to have heaven here on earth. But uh, uh, most people would say that when he referred to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, he's talking about what happened after you died. No, 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 no. He's talking about how to have heaven here on earth right now. He's talking about a dimension that we can enter into. And so there are a lot of different uh, ways that this dimension is described. And, and, and we're going to talk about some of them so you'll get a real handle on this. Because remember, the real truth is, what I want you to see, you can't perceive with the natural mind. You can't perceive this with the, with the intellectual mind. As a matter of fact, let me read you this scripture from 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 9, where Paul says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, in other words, Paul is saying uh, you, know, you know, God has really prepared this for everybody, but the real truth is the only people that will participate in this are the ones that love God because, you know, uh, a faith works by love. When you love God, love and faith are tied up together because you're trusting Him, you're experiencing Him. You're allowing the good things of God to come into your life. And so, so how could you not be in love with Him? And, uh, you know, it's just like, a, you know, we are considered the bride of Christ. So it's just like a, uh, the typology here would say, you know what? There's a, there's a lot of people out here a man might love as a friend. There's a lot of women a, a, love, a man might love as a, as a neighbor. But you know what? The things he has prepared for those who love him and they're having this love relationship, that goes beyond anything any of those other people I've ever seen. So Paul is saying, look, nobody has ever seen, nobody has ever heard, and nobody has ever even been able to imagine these incredible things that are so good, they're unspeakable. You can't even put them into words. You can experience them, even though you can't really completely describe them. But listen to this, verse 10, God has revealed, and that word revealed could and probably should be the word manifest, but God manifests them to us through the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can take us into this dimension and experience this quality of life. And, I, and I'm telling you, uh, I, I'm telling you, when you experience this, you know what it is. You understand it. Uh, it. It is completely clear to you. But I'm going to tell you something. There are no words to explain to anybody else what this is like. What what you know what God is what God is 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 doing in your life. How you experience that. What it what it means to you. And so, so God is calling us to enter into a dimension. Now, I started saying this a while ago. I said it last week. John 3, 3 says that when a person is born again, then and only then can they see or perceive the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus tells us that there is, that there is a door. As a matter of fact, he tells us that he is the door. He's not only the door, he, he, he is the way. But there is a door that we can enter into. And this doorway takes us into a realm. And once we enter into that realm, that's where we experience something internally 
that is beyond description. It's so good it can't be described. Now, we know that you know, when Jesus described the kingdom of God, one of the things he said, look, kingdom of God, this doesn't come by outward observance. Kingdom of God is, is inward, is inside. And we know that he's referring to the heart based on dozens, if not hundreds of other scriptures uh, that describe the same phenomenon. They just might use slightly different terminology. But uh, the heart is a, a portal. It is a, a doorway, and it is a doorway into a house or a realm because the, in, in the Hebrew, the letter uh, bet, which represents the heart, also represents the house. So it, it, it represents the heart of a man that brings them into a house, that brings them into a realm, that brings them into a dimension. You know, I love Proverbs 23, 7 because it tells us some incredible things about the heart. And, 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 and it's talking about uh, warning us not to trust somebody who, who uh, these people who, you know, offer us eat and drink, but their heart isn't really with us. And, and it says in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, this person that's offering you all this stuff, you know, who he really is is in his heart. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, that's who he really is. Now, it's really interesting that that word think is an interesting word. And... Um, it, it, ha it, it has to do with the concept of a door, a gate, an opening, or you could say a portal. And it's combined with the idea of a, of a, of a janitor, a porter, or a keeper. And what it's saying, it's saying the way we think establishes the doorkeeper of the heart. Now, I'll tell you what, I, I can remember when I saw this for the first time. I mean, I can remember the night I was up just praying and, and just listening to the Lord and meditating. And I saw this for the first time. And, and I realized then uh, that entering the doorway into the dimension that God desires for us to live in all starts with the way we see life, the way we think, our paradigm. And, and you're going to see this reinforced in, 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 just a, in just a few minutes. But so God tells us, and we learned last week that all of his commandments are prescriptions. It tells us how to be happy. It tells us how to have peace. It tells us how to manage finances, how to have relationships, how to raise kids, how to have social justice, how to have, how to have an economy that works in any nation, how to have civil order. Uh, all of those, kind of, how to protect the innocent and the downtrodden. It tells us how to do all of those things. And when we accept that as wisdom, as the prescription, then that becomes the way that we think. And so we have this way that we, that we choose to think, this way that we choose to see, the, to see the world. And so this way becomes the path that, that we walk. You know, in the Old Testament, we, I mean, in the New Testament, we've got the word logos. Now, the word logos, of course, is used to refer to Jesus, but it's used to refer to Jesus because Jesus is the way. He is the logic. He is the wisdom. He is the path. Everything he showed us about God is the path. Everything he demonstrated about God 
is the path. Everything he accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection is the path. When we embrace what Jesus showed us about God, and you know what he did is he took all of the commandments and he says, These, this is what it will look like when you apply this in love. This is what it will look like when you actually accept this the way God intended. And suddenly, suddenly Jesus becomes the path because we understand God's truth only through him, what he modeled, what he taught, how he treated people, and what he accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection. And so if Jesus is our path, if Jesus is our answer, that doesn't happen just because I shook hands with Jesus. It doesn't happen just because I got my sins forgiven. It happens because I accept who he is and what he represented, what he showed us about God. So suddenly his approach to the world becomes my path, my logos, my logic, my wisdom, the, the, you know, the, the, the way that I am going to walk through this world. So in the New Testament, one of the places of utmost importance speaks of a realm that we can enter into. And when we enter into that realm, uh, a power works in us to make us able to function in this dimension and Jesus referred to it as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of God represents more of the idea of the lordship of Jesus. And so the lordship of Jesus, again, it goes back to accepting him, what he showed us, what he taught us, what he revealed to us, how he treated people and what he accomplished through his death, burial and resurrection. Then, then if he is Lord, then we accept that and we choose this path. Now, if Jesus is our Lord, say there's a lot of people that want to know Jesus as deliverer. Get me out of trouble when I'm in trouble, but I don't really want to follow you as a way of life. I'm not saying they're not Christians, but I am telling you what the Bible does say. They can never enter the kingdom of God because you can only enter the kingdom of God when you surrender the Lordship of Jesus, which means his teaching, his life, his lifestyle, what he modeled, and again, what he accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. doesn't mean God doesn't love you. I don't think it necessarily means you can't go to heaven. It just means your quality of life is never going to be heaven on earth. Because once we follow Jesus as Lord, then we're able in our hearts to enter into this realm called the kingdom of heaven, where now it's not just the fact that we are surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, to his representation of God. But now we are experiencing what heaven is like, but we're experiencing it right here on earth. Man, I, I'm telling you, just talking about this gets me so excited. So again, this is a supernatural realm. Now, remember, if God gave me Zoe, if he gave me life through Jesus, and that life is, is the life that is possessed by Jesus, then that means that my life, everything about my life should begin to harmonize with the life of Jesus. That means not just um, the benefits, so to speak, but everything, who I am, how, my character, my nature, uh, how I do things, my ethics, my values, my morals, all of those things begin to harmonize with Jesus because stop and think, all of those things are part and parcel to the quality of life that you're going to have. You know, uh, um, Prager, the president of Prager University, I forgot his first name, but uh, uh, very insightful guy. And he, and he, and he, he talks about 
uh, you know, how that God is holy. And that holiness means I'm uncommon. I'm not like any of the other pagan gods. And I'm a God of love. I'm a God of relationship. I want to be your father, da 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 And Prager points out something that I'm telling you is just so insightful. You know, all of the commandments of God come from the Ten Commandments. And in the, and in the every, every commandment that's given, you can relate it back to a specific one of the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments, Eight out of the Ten Commandments, according to Prager, have to do with how we relate to one another. Only two have to do with how we relate to God. Man, that says something about God's intervention in our life and what God is trying to accomplish in our life. Now, <clears throat> so we want this incredibly happy life, but what if, uh, what if, say, we slander our neighbors? Well, you know, the, the commandments tell us that we shouldn't gossip. We shouldn't slander our neighbor. And, you know, we come up with a way to justify slandering our neighbor because they've done something we disapprove of or we think is wrong, so we slander our neighbor. Well, so then we have conflict with our neighbor. That reduces our quality of life. It talks about paying your debts and being honest and keeping your word. And so, you know what? Uh, Whenever you're doing business or when you're just moving through life and you need finances, well, you know, a person, if you, don't, if you have a reputation for not paying your bills, if you have a reputation for not keeping your work, if you have a reputation for not being diligent in your work, then the truth is you're going to have trouble getting a good job and you're going to have trouble borrowing money. You know, not too long ago, I went in and struck a deal with somebody that was for right out about a million dollars. And the honest truth is we shook hands and that was pretty much the deal. No, no, yeah, later on we came back and signed a contract that detailed everything. But we made the deal on a handshake. And over the, over the last several years, we, we actually have done many deals where we didn't even have a contract. We just had a handshake. But you know why I can do that kind of deal? It's because I've always kept my word about paying back money, about how I handle my money. And... Uh, so does that contribute to the quality of my life? Yes, it does. You know, for years, Brenda and I supported ourselves, not from money that came out of the ministry, but for years, we flipped houses. And I'm telling you, I would find a house that I could buy and I would go down. And, and this was back before it was popular to flip houses. Man, this was back in the 80s and 90s. And I'd go down and I'd shake hands with him. I'd walk out with enough money to go buy a house. We might write the contract later, you know. But, but we made a great living did that improve the quality of my life? Yes. You know, in the, in the late 80s and the early 90s, I only had to work five days a year. And I had enough personal money to live on. And what did I do with those? Did I lay around? No. Did I waste that money? No. Did I buy more cars? No. Matter of fact, you know, we have two vehicles now, but the real truth is, Brenda and I have been married for almost 40 years, and almost all that 40 years, up until not too long ago, we pretty much had one vehicle. We didn't go out and buy new stuff. We didn't, you know, we managed our money well. We, we, we you know, we built a, a successful business. We uh, had ways to create it. Now, did, but what did I do with that time I had? I'll tell you what I did. Number one, I went all over the world preaching the gospel. Number two, I took good care of my family and made sure that they understood this was the blessings of God on our life because I was following His wisdom. Is that a better quality of life? Absolutely. See, taking these commandments, which as you know, they are prescriptions. 
we have this goofy religious idea that I take these commandments, I put these things into practice, and so that persuades God to bless me. Uh, no, the blessing is, is in the process of, of doing. You know, a seed gets blessed because you put it in the ground and water it. God doesn't decide to bless that seed and make it grow. He, you know, he created the soul. He created the seed. Tells you what to do if you want it to grow. You do it, it works. The blessings of God are in the process of believing his truth and trusting him enough that that is what you put into practice. So, you know, you take Jesus, what he showed us and how to understand God's word. And man, you go out here and put this into practice in your life. And I'm telling you, the grace of God works in your heart, making you able. And the Holy Spirit, you know, is, is empowering you and teaching you, showing you the application. But here's what you have to understand. If I'm harmonizing my life with God, then in fact, I am really seeking righteousness. Because righteousness, which is one of the most important, yet probably the least understood aspect of life in Christ. But harmonizing my life with God, that's what the Good Shepherd does. Remember we talked last week about anytime you see the word good, you can always, nearly always, uh, realize that this has something to do with harmonizing our life, harmonizing our life with God, harmonizing our life with God's Word. So Jesus' teaching concerning the kingdom brings all of these aspects together, all of these things that God taught us, brings us together into one context. It gives us an opportunity to look into a realm and see uh, something that we've never seen before, something that's foreign to our natural mind, something that is so good, there are absolutely no words to adequately describe it. Now, Jesus is the way. And, and we, we quote that scripture, but that doesn't, I'm not saying Jesus is the way because I got saved. Because remember, he said that when you get born again in John 3, 3, that you can only see the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is within. He talks about him being a door that you enter into this, into this realm. Now, the book of Proverbs tells us something that's, that's really, really interesting. It says, Proverbs 12, 28, in the way, and when you see the word way, you're talking about a path, you're talking about a lifestyle, you're talking about a way of viewing life, you're talking about your paradigm, you're talking about the logos of God. In the logos, in the pathway, in the paradigm, in the lifestyle of righteousness is life. And in this pathway, there is no death. Now, life and death are, are, are both a continuum. Neither one of them are just fixed one-dimensional uh, factors. You see, everything that pertains to life and godliness, I mean, this, this goes from peace, joy, happiness, health, physical energy, emotional energy, insight, uh, you know, love, relationships, every, everything that contributes to having the kind of life that is harmonious with God's intention for man and, and God's desire for man. Now, death is everything from chaos to conflict, to stress, to sickness, to disease, to poverty, all the way down to physical death. And so there is a, there is a way, a pathway, a dimension 
And in that dimension, there is life and no death. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You know, I developed what's called the prayer organizer back in the 80s. And I'm telling you, it is a, it is a process of prayer built on what Jesus has already done for us. It's not based on all this stuff of begging God to do stuff. You know, stop and think about it. Most people's prayer life is really just a grocery list of things they're trying to find some way to convince God to do for them. Get me out of pain. Get me out of trouble. Deliver me from this situation and make my life good. So almost all of our, little of our prayer life has to do with worship and praise and, and letting God teach us and develop us, show us things, reveal his secrets about our life and how to have a great life. You know, that, that's not what our life is about. Our life is, this is what I need. This is what I want. Now, amazingly, Jesus told us not to pray about those things. We didn't need to pray about those things. He says, what you need to do is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this stuff will be added to you. Now, many people think that's a reference to earning something from God or, or, or works righteousness or, you know, that's not what it's talking about. It's just saying, I have a pathway and, and the people who have the, a mindset that is congruent with my word as Jesus demonstrated, as Jesus taught it, as Jesus, as Jesus uh, uh, showed us in relationships and everything, and as he, as he sealed and gave power to it through the resurrection. People who harmonize with that way of life, you know what? They, they just, they find what they need in this pathway without ever having to seek it. You know, I, I learned to live by the serendipity principle. The serendipity principle says this, as long as I'm in this pathway, I don't really need to, I don't, I'm not fighting the devil. I'm not trying to fight things off all the time because there's no death in this pathway. Now, sometimes I'll come up on where, I, where I'm foolish and make bad decisions and I introduce death into the pathway, so to speak, or chaos into the pathway. But, uh, but uh, I'm not having to fight that all the time because that's not in the pathway that I'm walking. And I'm not always trying to get something from God because uh, everything I need is in this pathway and really I'm, I'm going to find it. And this, as I walk this pathway, I'm just going to find it. And this pathway is called the pathway of righteousness, the pathway of me harmonizing my view, my opinion, my choices, my ethics, my values, my morals with him. Does it mean I'm always going to get it right? No, but I can tell you this. When you have a right, whatever's in your heart, you have an intention to do. If you do not have the intention to follow God and live a, a godly, righteous life, then the real truth is righteousness isn't in your heart, which really would mean you need to go back and revisit Jesus and decide if you ever really made him Lord of your life. Now, I, want, I want to take this word way. I want to break this down in the original language. I want to talk to you, help you understand something. I'm just going to run through this real quick like, and we'll get to this in more detail later. The root word for way is spelt with the Hebrew letter Dalit. Now the word Dalit represents a door. It represents a portal. So he is saying there is this pathway that you can walk and it will take you to a portal into another dimension. The second letter of this word is resh. And the, and the letter resh has to do with repentance, being willing to change your mind, being willing to see things differently. The people 
who will find this pathway, the people who will find the door, the people who will enter into the kingdom, the first quality that has to be present with them is they have to be teachable. You can't be a disciple if you're not teachable. And if you're teachable, it means you have a repentant attitude. You are always ready to surrender your point of view to the Word of God based on how Jesus taught it, how Jesus interpreted it, and how He, how he accomplished it. And so <clears throat> there's a doorway but I'm not even going to find that doorway if I don't have a repentant, teachable attitude. And la the last letter of that root word is the cough, which is a picture of a cup. Now, here's the thing. If, if you are teachable, God will fill your cup so that you will have the knowledge, the strength, the grace, the power, the direction, all that you need to see and walk this pathway and enter in through this portal but you see, if your cup is full because you refuse to be teachable, you refuse to empty your opinions and empty your, your way of seeing things, then the truth is uh, you'll never see the path. You'll never see the door. You'll never enter in. And your Christianity will be intellectual. It'll be something that you're talking about until something you're living. Listen, if you're interested in diving into this deeper, I want you to be sure and go to impactministries.com and check out the series Fine and Divine Life. And be sure to comment on this if you're watching on YouTube and share this with your friends and like it because we want everybody to have an opportunity to hear what you're hearing today. I'll be talking to you again next week. Be there. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.